Book Three, Chapter Fifteen of the Heavenly Twins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Guinan. The Heavenly Twins by Sarah Grand. Book Three, Chapter Fifteen. The following day, as Colonel Cochrane went out in the afternoon, he met Evadne coming in with Mrs. Malcolmson and Mrs. Sillinger evadin was leaning on mrs malcolmson's arm she looked haggard and pale and the other two ladies were evidently also much distressed has anything happened cochrane asked with concern are you ill evadin i am sick at heart she answered bitterly we have had bad news mrs malcolmson said significantly colonel cochrane stood aside and let them pass in then he went on to the club wondering very much what the news could be there he found captain billet colonel beston and a few more of his particular friends all discussing something in tones of righteous indignation mr price and mr st john were there also a mail had just arrived bringing the details of edith's illness from morning quest mr st john turned from the group and as he did so colonel cochrane noticed that his gait was uncertain and his face was white and distorted as if with physical pain his impulse was to offer him a restorative and see him to his rooms but mr price anticipated the kind intention it was mrs orton begg who had written to evadin and she had brought mrs sillinger and mrs malcolmson in to hear the letter read edith is quite quite mad she said unconsciously choosing the poor girl's own expression and the most horrible part of it is she knows it herself she wants to do the most dreadful things and all the time she feels as much horror of such deeds as we should my aunt says her sufferings are too terrible to describe but she was growing gradually weaker with the letter left how awful mrs sillinger ejaculated to think of her as we knew her so beautiful and so sweet and good and true in every way and her magnificent physique and now not a soul that loves her when they hear that she is growing gradually weaker would wish it otherwise my aunt concludes her letter by saying i am telling you the state of the case exactly evadin continued because i did not agree with you when you were here i have been so shielded from the evil myself that i could not believe in the danger to which all women in their weakness are exposed but i agree with you now perfectly we must alter all this and we can put me into communication with your friends and you will join us yourself evadin mrs malcolmson exclaimed certainly i shall she answered emphatically then all at once something flashed through her mind heaven she exclaimed i had forgotten i cannot i cannot join you i have given my word to do nothing so long as colonel cochrane is alive up to this time evadin in her home life had been serene and healthy-minded but now suddenly there came a change she began to ask why should she trouble herself nobody who had a claim upon her wished her to do anything but dress well and make herself agreeable and that was what most of the people about her were doing to the best of their ability the church enjoined that she should do her duty what was her duty clearly to acquiesce as everybody else was doing to refuse to know of anything that might distress her to be pleased and to give pleasure that was all that heaven itself had to offer her and if she could make heaven upon earth now with a fan and a book and a few congenial friends she would this was the first consequence of her promise to colonel cochrane 
it had cramped her into a narrow groove wherein to struggle would only have been to injure herself ineffectively there comes a time when every intellectual being is forced to choose some definite pursuits evident had been formed for a life of active usefulness but now she found herself reduced to an existence of objectless contemplation and she suffered acutely until she had recourse to st paul and the pulpit from which barren fields she succeeded at last in connecting samples enough to make up a dose of the time-honored anodine sacred to her sex it is a delicious opiate which gives immediate relief but it soothes without healing and is in the long run deleterious and this was the influence under which evident entered upon a new phase of life altogether she gave up reading and by degrees there grew upon her a perfect horror of disturbing emotions she burnt any books she had with repulsive incidents in them she would not have them about even lest they should remind her there were some pictures also in her rooms which depicted scenes of human suffering a battle piece a storm at sea a caravan lost in the desert and a prison scene and though she had removed she would have ended all such horrors if she could but as that was impossible she would not even think of them and accordingly she had those pictures replaced by soothing subjects moonlit spaces sun-bright seas clear brown rivulets lakes that mirrored the placket mountains and flowers and birds and trees she would look at nothing that was other than restful she would read nothing that harrowed her feelings she would listen to nothing that might move her to indignation and reawaken the fertile impulse to resist and she banished all thought or reflection that was not absolutely tranquilizing in effect or otherwise enjoyable but all this was extremely enervating she had owed her force of character to her incessant intellectual activity which had also kept her mind pure and her body in excellent condition had she not found an outlet for her superfluous vitality as a girl in the cultivation of her mind she must have become morbid and hysterical as is the case with both sexes when they remain in the unnatural state of celibacy with a mental energy unapplied we are like running water bright and sparkling so long as the course is clear but divert us into unprogressive shallows where we lie motionless and very soon we stagnate and every particle of life within us becomes a fence this was the fate that threatened evident as her mind grew sluggish her body health decreased and the climate began to tell upon her malta has a pet fever of its own of a dangerous kind from which she had hitherto escaped but now quite suddenly she went down with a bad attack and hovered for weeks between life and death colonel cochrane made arrangements to take her home as soon as she was sufficiently strong to be moved but just at that time a small war broke out and his regiment was one of the first to be ordered to the front he was able to see her off however with other ladies of the regiment and he telegraphed to her friends begging them to meet her at southampton the hope of seeing them sustained evident during the voyage but when she arrived only mrs orton begg appeared the latter was shocked by the change in evident her hair had been cut short her eyes were sunken her cheeks were hollow she was skin and bone and the color of death mrs orton begg had gone on board the steamer and evident had been brought up on deck supported by one of the ladies and her own maid she looked at her aunt and then she looked beyond her has my mother not come to meet me she asked mrs orton begg looked at her compassionately is she ill evident added no dear her aunt replied evident burst into tears it was a bitter disappointment and she was very weak 
and had suffered a great deal after her arrival her pompous papa continued firm as he called it and as she was equally firm herself he would not have her at frailing gay he repeated that if there were one human weakness which is more reprehensible than another it is obstinacy and he told mrs frailing that she must choose between himself and evadin if she preferred the latter she might go to see her but she should not return to him he meant to be master in his own house and so on at the top of his voice with infinite bluster to which it was that mrs frailing submitted she never could bear a noise evident therefore saw nothing of her mother or brothers or sisters and must have been lonely indeed had it not been for mrs orton Begg, who took charge of her and nursed her and brought her round and remained with her until colonel cochrane returned they spent most of their time in the western highlands but stayed also in london and paris colonel cochrane was absent a year and made the most of every opportunity to distinguish himself at the end of the war he was made c b and promoted to the rank of colonel and this time with his regiment having expired he was further honoured by being immediately appointed to the command of the depot at morning quest evident was glad to see him again and she had missed him and had waited anxiously for his return she had no one to care for in his absence no one that is to say who was specially her charge to be attended to and made comfortable he had narrowed her sphere of usefulness down to that by the promise he had exacted and in his absence she had what to her was a useless purposeless existence wandering about from place to place during this period she made few notes in the commonplace book but the few all bore witness to one thing viz her ever increasing horror of unpleasantness in any shape or form End of book three chapter fifteen recording by judy guinan